0: Radio. The transmission and reception of electromagnetic waves on radio frequency. Especially those carrying sound messages.
1: Or the activity or industry of broadcasting sound programs to the public. Fanboy. Fanboy. A male fan.
0: Especially one who behaves in an obsessive or overexcited way.
1: This is the Radio Fanboy Podcast. And here's your host, Bevo. We're heading back into the news department this time and... Right now, we're catching up with a lady who has quite an unusual name. It's quite memorable. Um, You may have heard her on Melbourne radio. You might have heard her on Sydney radio. And even uh, back in the 90s, you might have heard her on community radio and caboolture. Let's welcome Hope Fabilia. How are you going, Hope? Hi, Bevo.
0: (laughs) I'm well. How are
1: you? Good. We're just having a little joke off uh, before. And I was saying, oh, first time I heard your name, I thought you said, I hope I'm familiar. But no, it's not that. It's (laughs) Hope (laughs) Fabilia.
0: I've had all sorts. Someone said it sounds like a flower, grevillea, (laughs) fabillia.
1: What is your origin?
0: I am Filipino, part Spanish, part Chinese, but I wasn't born here but people mistakenly think I was because of the way I speak. But yes, I came from the Philippines. And
1: you have recently um submitted a story to SBS for a short stories competition and you've got such an incredible story. I had a friend of mine, Phil Brandell, who I who was my program director in Sydney many years ago and he rang me and said, "Oh, hopefully it should be great to have on your podcast and I went yeah oh, I know dear. I know <laughs> Hope. for many years ago we started in community radio together
0: we did we did That
1: was a long time ago and the story that he was telling me was um your your mixed background and you had to um you came in quite young oh, you, you tell the story oh, i'm terrible at telling stories
0: oh look yeah, but how much do you want to know because it's just i don't want to bore people either
1: so. <laughs> well let's put it in a nutshell then what you wrote about in this short story for the sbs contest
0: in a nutshell, I came here. I couldn't speak the language. I was petrified, but my mother who spoke fluently would send me off on errands to, to buy things for her. Back then you could and you weren't afraid of your child getting snatched or anything. It was just walking. Oh, to be fair, it was, everything was close by. So people knew who I was. We were in these rows of shops because she had a gift shop. So I would just, she would send me to the takeaway store. So picture a seventies takeaway store with the Bain Marie and the yeah. greasy cabanas and the chico rolls and, she would send me there. She would order something I never I never knew how to pronounce. <laughs> and that would just be one errand, or she'd make me get groceries, just little things, you know, a few things in the supermarket. And then I'd come back. She said, oh, that was the wrong item. You need to return it. So this is me at eight, seven and eight, Eight's having here. to go to a supermarket. Imagine trying to front the checkout person going, excuse me, but I've got the wrong item. So it was so terrifying, not speaking the language, well, not being able to say many things in English, and I'm having to return a product that was incorrect. Good right. luck. Yeah. It would be like asking you in China now. leave brought the wrong item home. Go back to the store in China. Speak in Mandarin. Good luck.
1: Yes. So
0: you grew up in Western Sydney, is that right? I went to school in Bellevue Hill. Ah, yes. Yeah. School in Bellevue. Yeah, Bellevue Hill. And I, ne- I didn't speak English. And at the time, the kids were so mean. And I remember one kid. I was lining up for the slippery slide, and he said to me, he made a fist, and he said, "Ching chong, if you don't." don't let me go ahead. I'm going to punch your face in. This is a boy talking to a girl. And I was so scared. I let him go ahead on the slippery slide. What are you going to say when you don't speak the language?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds like (laughs) you had to learn very quickly. You didn't have much choice, did you?
0: No, not at all.
1: (laughs) Let's uh, swing across to the radio side of things. Uh, You got your start on on community radio in Caboolture and met yours truly.
0: I, well, yes, I I got my start there, but that was accidental. Do we call it an accident? A friend of mine, she was, it was the only station, community station in Australia with a paid full-time journalist. And she said to me... Yeah, at the time it was rare because I think it was part of the conditions of, you know, whatever it was for them to be on air. And she said to me, I have to get my tonsils out. Can you fill in? You'll get paid. And I said, oh, yeah, sure, but I didn't do radio at uni. I, I majored in print, and I'm hoping to get into print and work for a newspaper or magazine. She said, yeah, it'll only be two weeks. So I fill in for two weeks. She's getting her tonsils out, recovering. And was morning, name again? That, I'm trying to remember her name. It was Jenny, Jenny Rogan. <laughs> That's it Yes. <laughs> All these names, blast from the past. Oh, yeah. Carry on. <laughs> yeah, so she she was recovering from tonsillitis and someone from a station in Noosa, I think it was 4GY, uh, he overheard, well, he heard me do a report, oh, no, he heard me read the news one day, he phoned the station, 4 ur and said, are you working alone? And I said, yeah, I told him the story, I'm filling in, this and that, and he asked me if I could send him an air check, and I said why? And I said, sure, I'm not sure why you want an air check. He said, oh, just, you know, am I okay to hand it out to people? And I said, what do you mean, hand it out? He said, oh, there's just several stations that might like you. And I said, okay. I didn't think anything of it. So, I sent him an air check, and then we started helping each other out. He was doing voice reports for me, because if you remember community radio, you're just on your own. So, you're basically a one-person band. So, I'm trying to string news together for a station. I don't have access Access to AAP, so I'm trying to find local news and then on top of that get audio for the news. So we helped each other out. So then I think within two weeks the phone started ringing. I had phone calls from Emerald, I had phone calls from commercial stations in Brisbane. They all wanted me to work for them. Oh, I thought, wow. what is the I didn't understand. Triple M called me, 4BH, and I thought, why are these people calling me? So, I I ended up landing my first commercial job at 4BC. I was a junior burger, and I didn't know this, Lee, but the station at Macrossan Street in Brisbane, which no longer exists because they've built a high-rise apartment there, it was haunted. Did you know that? Oh, no, I did not know this. It was haunted, and I didn't know that either at the time, and I was doing overnights for one year, and I can recall, call, the sports booth, the TV going on at one in the morning. But I didn't think anything of it. I thought, oh, the TV's gone on. I went in there and switched it off.
1: <laughs> and then you came back and it was on again. It was like, do do
0: do. doo Yeah, doo, but I never thought anything of it. Okay. So, yeah, years go by and somebody said to me, oh, that place was haunted. I said, oh, that's why the TV came <laughs> on at one in the morning. <laughs> I would have freaked out if I'd known that. I wouldn't have gone back to do my shift. Why would they turn the TV on at that time anyway?
1: It's only infomercials. <laughs>
0: I know, exactly.
1: (laughs) So from 4BC, the journey carried on.
0: Yeah, I only stayed there for a year, and then I ended up, you know, moving on and and southward to to Sydney. And I was casualing for Two GB at the time, and then someone there said, "Oh, look, my fiance works at Two UE. They've got positions going there, and you might want to give them a call." So I st- I was just moonlighting at Two GB for a bit, and then I called up I called up the news director Murray Olds, who's a lovely person, and he he's you know you know I don't know if you've met Murray, but every second where he's like a warfy Oh, is he? Every oh, every second word, you'd have to beep if you had to interview him. <laughs> was he wearing <laughs> he, uh, like a beanie or something like that? <laughs> no, no, no. He's the loveliest man in radio, one of the loveliest people and bosses you could ever work for. So I ended up going to see him and they were still, they're on the Pacific Highway in Gore Hill. And so it was the old station, not the one that's, that's a few doors down, down from where they are now. And so he's come in. He had heard of me because, you know, 4BC was connected to, to to 2GB so my yeah. reports were good 2GB in the middle of the night and uh he, he said to me, oh, well, he had the show reel. He said, can you just read some news here? He just grabbed a bunch of, you know, old news that was read because back then it was all on paper, remember? So yeah. he just grabbed a clump of news and said, oh, here, here you go. Just go and read this in the booth and I'll be back in five minutes. So I've recorded on the reel-to-reel. And then I've come out and said, yep, all done. So he's had a listen. And then, <laughs> and then all that there's uh, all these words just came out. I can't even say on your podcast. Well, you can because it's a podcast. <laughs> Oh, okay. I just have to click
1: the little box that says explicit <laughs> content.
0: <laughs> but if you can just imagine every second word, he just said, What are you doing out of big work? And he couldn't believe it. So then he dragged me downstairs to where the Sky News Network news not news director, but the head of Sky News Network, Hugh Drury, was sitting and uh, Hugh was busy. I could tell by his body language, it's like, Oh, what what does he want? What does Murray want? What does Buzzard want? And he said, You've got to listen to this woman read so <laughs> it went from there and then the next day i started working for them oh there was goodness. nothing going at the time even though someone at 2 had said yeah they've got positions going but he said oh there's you know there's nothing going but you can start work so i'm getting these funny looks from everyone because it's like who you know how did she just come in and yeah. start working there's nothing going here oh jeez, so. that's incredible yeah.
1: they created a role for you by the sounds of it
0: yeah, yeah. So I was just, I was reading the national news for the Sky News Network. That went to about 78 stations around the country. Oh, and, my God. Yeah, Tasmania, Darwin, all the stations that couldn't afford a newsroom that had to buy the news service. So I was there for four years. I was in these newsrooms. You could hear me in these newsrooms for four years going. And I remember my parents saying to me, oh, we went up to Darwin and people knew who you were. I said, what? <laughs> 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 because they check into the hotel and then, you know, my Mom's, I've got my mum's last name, not my, my late dad's. And yep. so he said, oh, your daughter reads the news for Sun FM. So I was like, wow, okay, just the, the power of radio. It goes to so many places you don't realise.
1: No, and yeah, with a name like Hope for Billia, you know, it's going to stick in people's minds, isn't it? <laughs>
0: That's it. I think I'm the. I think I could safely say I'm the only one with this name. I have met a few hopes, which yeah. I'm not happy about. Yeah, no. Because I thought you know, a bit of a hope <laughs> I thought it would Obi Wan Kenobi. I was the. If you're a Star Wars fan, I always say I'm the Obi Wan Kenobi. You oh. know where she says – Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope.
1: <laughs> I like I'm it. I'm the
0: Obi-Wan Kenobi of that name. And so when I meet people, it's like, you can't be hope. I'm the only hope. No, <laughs> so,
1: that's right. So
0: you spent uh, quite a, f- a few years in the Sky Newsroom, by the sounds of it. You you moved on I from there? I I did, and then I jumped onto the dark side of things. When I say the dark side, the journalists always joke. So, I went into public relations. It was the first time. Yes, and I'd gone for this job with New South Wales Lotteries. But the funny thing is, that job still required being on radio, which is probably why I landed in the first Ah, place. because. I needed to do the lottery results for regional stations in New South Wales. Oh, yeah. So the first the first day I started, somebody at, I don't know where it was, Mudgee or, or it was one of the regional stations, they said to me, oh, has we done a deal with with the with lotteries? And I said, what do you mean? They said, oh, well, are you doing the, the lottery results for the radio stations? I said, no, 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 totally separate. But they just connected me with TUE because I'm still doing results for the lotteries on radio. But I said, no, nothing to do with radio. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, I'd be calling up, yeah, I was calling up Powerball winners, Lotto winners, and, and most of the time, people thought it was a joke, because I'd call up and I'd say, oh, hi, this is Hope calling from Lotteries, and I wouldn't tell them they'd won straight away, and then I'd string them along and say, did you buy, Lee, did you buy an Oz Lotto ticket last night? And you'd go, yes. And If it's the winning one, oh, I did. Yeah, because I'd be <laughs> calling registered, registered players, and then they'd say, is there something wrong? And I'd say, oh, no, 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 I'm just checking your details are all correct, and it's just a standard procedure and then I'd I'd say to them what numbers did you have even though it was right in front of me yeah and they'd tell me, and then I'd say, yeah, that's what I've got. And then I'd say, you're sitting down, you've won $20 million. Then they'd think it was a joke because oh, they'd say, who put you up to this because your name's Hope mm. and you're working for lotteries. Yep. So I used to get that all the time. But oh. that was good. But then it, it became like being the bridesmaid and never the bride because I was telling people they've won all this money. We couldn't accept any any part of the, the oh, cash that they've won. I know.
1: It would have been the a most very most... lucrative job otherwise. I know. Oh, the she was lovely. Pretty that pretty Hope. Pretty I'm going to give her $10
0: million. <laughs> No. No, oh, ten dollars more like it. Ten dollars and no more. Uh, otherwise, we'd be in trouble. So it was an ethical thing that we had to sign. And so, yeah. but it was fun. But it became, yeah, like I said being the bridesmaid and never the bride and yeah, but I made a lot of people happy. So oh, bearer of good, good news for once. Yeah. Oh, there you
1: go. The bearer of good news. That's another thing I stick it, in your
0: <laughs> So yeah, so then from there I moved on to radio. I moved on to Melbourne and that's where I landed a job at Fox and Triple M. Oh, cool. So I was there for a week. Yeah. So I've done the AM and F M circuits and uh yeah i can safely say work for both and can read both
1: styles i remember um our paths crossed again when you're in melbourne when you went across to arn i think you were doing uh, mix 101.1 and doing a bit with yes. simon diaz as well
0: Yes, for I was working for Gold and Mix. So I was doing two stations, which is the normal thing these days when you have to anchor both stations. So yes, I was on there with Simon Diaz, another lovely person in the radio industry. And uh, of course, all these people on Gold, there was Grubby and Dee and Huggy and, and uh, John Peters, all these names that everyone knows about in radio.
1: H- had you heard of these people before you'd gotten to Melbourne?
0: Well, no, because I, I wasn't in Melbourne, but I had heard of, I worked with Barry Bissell. He's another lovely person in radio. I worked with him at Fox, but. Never heard gold, of the guy. No idea. <laughs> <laughs> the gold personalities I hadn't heard of, but, oh, you know, just, just a really good bunch of people to work with. No, No tantrums, no diva-like behavior. They were just a nice bunch of people who were well-known, but didn't let it get to their heads.
1: We're going to have to jump back to Barry because everyone in radio asks, what's Barry Bissell, like
0: oh my goodness, Barry, where do I start? He's just he's he knows his material. He's just a smooth operator. He's he's fantastic. I have nothing, no no bad words to say about Barry. He just knows his craft, and I can understand why he's made it to where he's made it. He's just he's a terrific guy.
1: So you called Melbourne home for a few years.
0: I loved Melbourne. Of all the cities, the major cities I've, I've lived in, I loved Melbourne. It was just, I made more friends there than I did in a month in Sydney. The, the people are just different. But yeah. yeah, I had to leave Melbourne. So after six years there, Canberra came calling because of my background. The child support agency wanted to, well, they don't exist anymore. They're now under the Department of Human Services. But they were starting a media Department, they never had one, so they had such a bad reputation, you know, about separated parents and separated families, and they badly needed to get their reputation fixed because they just didn't, well, they just had a negative perception with the general public. So they were starting a team of eight, and they asked me to be an assistant media director for the media team. So that was a challenge because you'd have a kind of fair calling about oh. <laughs> a, beat, a dad. We can't, you know, we were, we had to keep the, it was under the privacy act we couldn't reveal anything about anyone no matter yeah. how bad or how good it just we just couldn't. So I imagine having your hands tied and then having a current affair journalist call you saying, Yeah, we've got this information about this this mum or this dad. It's like, Oh, I can't tell you anything. Yeah,
1: gee. <laughs> so Anna. that was a
0: challenge. That, that was a challenge. That would have
1: been hounding too, like they'd turn up on your doorstep and say, Hey, come on, let's let's talk about
0: this. Yes, <laughs> it was just, it was rather tricky. I said, Look, I can't confirm or deny anything that you were saying so. It was like working for this uh, secret agency saying, Sorry, can't say anything. (laughs) So I stayed there for 13 months and then radio, it's just like a vortex, as you know, Lee. It keeps on sucking you back in. (laughs) (laughs) Good old Glenn Daniel. Everyone knows Glenn. Oh, Glenn. He's like your dad. He's so boring. He's like the dad or uncle that you love. Not the embarrassing one, but the dad or uncle that you love. And, you know, he said, Oh, what are you doing? And at the time, I just got married. And, I was a lady of leisure. So I said the truth. I said, I'm doing an install magazine survey. And he there was just silence at the other end. He thought I was kidding. And he said, no, for work. And I said, I'm doing a survey for install magazine. Yeah. And so then he said, oh, do you want to come back to radio? I said, no, because I'd retired. See, yeah. after Melbourne, I thought, this is it. I sounded like John Farm. This is it. <laughs> this is the last time. This is That's the voice, try and work. understand it, make I, it clear. <laughs> I said this to everyone, this is it, this is the last time, and then Glenn Daniel made me into John Farnham. Yeah. So it took two phone calls, and I ended up going back into radio. But we'd never worked in the same city. I worked for oh. him when I was at ARN in Melbourne. He was yep. my boss, yep. he was based in Sydney. So then I said, oh, we'll finally be based in the same newsroom. I mean, we never saw each other because he had the breakfast shift yep. and I had the afternoon oh, shift. Oh, so right, okay. <laughs> Same city, but uh, your same newsroom, but we just passed each other like ships in the night. So it was very funny. So then I, you know, I was only supposed to be there for three months and I ended up being there for a decade. Oh
1: (laughs) my Lord,
0: that's incredible. (laughs) I know. So that was the last time. That was really the last time. I retired March last year. Yeah. And uh, now I'm I'm completely out of, of radio. Even oh, though people sure you know. are, <laughs> Hope. Sure are you, you are.
1: You're about to go on a podcast talking about radio. All these radio ears will be listening going, I remember her. I've got to get going. I'm going to give her a call right now. <laughs> the answer is no. Thank you, but no. But thanks that's what that's seconds. that's what you said the first time to Glenn. So you know, it just oh, takes two no. phone calls.
0: <laughs> yeah, but he had carrots to dangle in front of me, oh, and the yes. carrots were too fat and juicy to say no to. So. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Hope Favilia, thanks so much for joining us on the Radio Fanboy podcast. So good to catch up with you after yeah, all these my years, voice
0: there, boy. Thank you. the radio fanboy podcast hosted by bevo and produced by matt fulton productions dan hill speaking